0: Hi, this is Jess Porter. You're listening to The List. I am speaking today with my friend Lori Wyman. Hi, Lori. Hi. It's so good to have you here. Let me just explain how we know each other. Lori, you are calling me from Hollywood, Florida this morning. And you and I met at a macrobiotic conference in, I believe, something like 2004 or 5.
1: Somewhere around there, yes. Early 2000s, yes.
0: Yeah, and you are a casting director in uh, the Miami area, and I was teaching cooking classes, and we connected, and we ended up talking about hypnosis, and specifically hypnosis for actors, which I had sort of been messing with personally as an actor and a hypnotist, and to make a long story short, I have been teaching a course called Hypnosis for Actors through and with you for 15 years. I think the first time we did it was 2006. Yeah. And in that time, we have become fantastically wonderful friends. And I pretend that your daughter is my daughter because she's such a redhead. And (laughs) we've just gotten... You know, closer and closer, with our annual visits guaranteed.
1: So you and I met through Macrobiotics, and the reason that I went, became Macrobiotic in the first place, many, many, many years ago, um, back in the 1980s. I met um, an actor, and he gave me a book, and it was a book entitled "Confessions of a Kamikaze Cowboy" Mm. by an actor. Derek Benedict, exactly. And I read it. And it was interesting because I never read books. It was like, ugh, I didn't have the patience. I didn't have the focus. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I read that book. And I made a declaration in my mind, and I felt it strong in my gut. And I said, one day, I am going to be macrobiotic. I didn't know why. I didn't know how. I, I didn't even know like where that even came from because I was a garbage eater I was, if I even told you, Diet Coke and Hershey's Kisses for breakfast Mm -hmm. and Taco Bell for lunch. And I'm like, that's how I ate because I was healthy and I was skinny. So when you're healthy Mm -hmm. and skinny, like, what does it matter what you eat, right? But something in my gut said, I am going to be macrobiotic. And in 1998, which was a long time ago, I was diagnosed with a malignant breast tumor I don't like that C word, but um, malig- malignant breast tumor. And all the doctors wanted to do all kinds of things. You know, they do- want to do the chemo and the radiation and the-, and the double mastectomy. Oh, they wanted to do a double mastectomy. Mm. And I said, there's my sign. I'm going to become macrobiotic. And like that, I just shifted mm. everything. I told the doctors, thank you, but no thank you. And in my mind, I made up my mind, this this is gonna fix it. I, I it was there wasn't even a doubt. And I changed everything because when you become macrobiotic, I mean there's a lot of stuff you have to change. Pots and pans and personal items and laundry detergent and and eating and you know and, and where you go and, and suddenly how you you're taste. going
0: from the Hershey's Kisses for Breakfast to brown rice.
1: And miso soup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to like give a, an example to anyone listening, like what kind of shift that is in food. Like you're going to whole foods, principal grain, a principal food is grain, lots of vegetables, beans, miso soup, etc., and no fun in that compared to a Hershey's kiss.
1: No fun, and so there wasn't a question in my mind. And then, and here's another thing. You know, I was older. I I got um, I was diagnosed when I was 42 which is young for being diagnosed with breast cancer but I was older in the respect that I had never had children I really didn't I really didn't aspire to be a mother that I was a career woman and I was on that career path Mm -hmm. so when I became macrobiotic I said to myself this is gonna clean out my entire body and I'll bet you I'm gonna have a baby never really voiced that to anybody I just kind of had that as an inner and my mm. inner voice, and I had that baby when I was almost 46 years old mm. without, without drugs, without any, any medical intervention, and I know it was 100% due to the fact that I completely cleaned out my system, and I also nursed that baby with the two breasts mm-hmm. that those doctors wanted to cut off.
0: To what do you attribute this mental strength?
1: I don't know. I I don't know. I just, I don't, I've always had this inner voice that has said, Mm -hmm. you can do anything you put your mind to. I will also tell you, I had my mother, I would say, more than my father, my father always tried to play it safe. He wasn't a big gambler with anything. He would always go for the shore bet. My mom was the rogue. You know, she she mm-hmm. lived a very mm-hmm. safe life, but I think she didn't really want to. My mother was mm-hmm. a tall redhead. I wish you had known mm-hmm. her. She would have loved you. But she mm-hmm. was also five for ten, redhead. And she always told me, she goes, I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And because <gasps> she, yeah, no, isn't that crazy? And because she didn't, do that. She, she, you know, because she grew up in a time where you went to college, you went back in, at home and lived with your parents. Then you got married. Then you had children, and right. you made a home for your husband. And that's what you did. And I think if she had been born in our time, she might have gone out to LA and she might have been that stand-up comedian because she was uh, always she was a she was a like singer. a
0: marvelous Mrs. Maisel.
1: Yes. Yes. And she always told me, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want.
0: I think it's an interesting thing that you're saying about our mother's generation having a certain set of quite prescribed expectations. Like my mother used to say, you know, among my peers, you were either a nurse or a teacher. That's Mm. what you did. And all three of my uncles on my mother's side married nurses. In fact, I remember seeing in their homes, their pictures like of the graduating from nursing school and they were lovely, incredibly intelligent women, but that was like one of two paths and my mother was a teacher. And so you have your mother, my mother, all on this sort of cutting edge of feminism. Like they were all born before the second wave and and participated in it. Like my mother happily called herself a feminist and gave the message to their daughters because they didn't get it. They did not get this message, which is, you can do anything you want. And I remember thinking to myself, like, even if I don't, you know, have a conventional, you know, partner, child, children experience, that I was born in a window of time in history that is 100% unprecedented in terms of a woman's ability to swing the pendulum all the way to her own independence. And if that's what I'm meant to do, just because it's doable, so be it. And I will never complain about that because my grandmothers would tear their hair out watching me not do it. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing it for them. And who knows? Maybe a woman being like entirely independent and not reproducing is ultimately over the long haul Not sustainable model but who cares (laughs) I want to I want to do what our mothers told us which is anything I want to do because because I can right because we can't and no no generation of women has ever been able to do that
1: ever no right just just a, a hundred years ago a mere hundred years ago look at what we've accomplished I remember my grandmother was a teacher my mother also was a teacher, mm-hmm. but my grandmother was a teacher. But when they got married back then, she mm-hmm. had to give up her teaching career right. because now they had a yeah. husband and the husband could take care of them. And the teaching was kind of reserved for the single women who needed to make money because they didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, and that's, that's yeah. not that long ago. No. I mean, we only got the right to vote
0: 100 years ago. Right. Wow. So yours, I mean, you and I are ten years apart. So the the two generations are, that we straddle, big, 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 big changes. And um, our mothers, I think, are are looking down from wherever, cheering us on, and cheering your daughter on. Right. All right. Let's do the list. I will begin. I'm in my bedroom right now. When I first got this house, I was like, am I going to paint this interior of my house myself? Like, you know, that just seemed like a huge proposition. I've never actually undergone an entire painting job by myself. And my bedroom was the first room that I painted. And I love colors. I think a white room is basically wasted because a color makes me feel a certain way it makes everyone feel a certain way whether you know it or not it's you know creates a vibration so every room in my house is a different color which may sound chaotic to some but for me I consider it like a rainbow of a house and the first room I painted was my bedroom it's what I would call blueberry yogurt this purple this like creamy purple it's just such a great color and And every time I walk into my bedroom, I get enveloped in this wonderful color. Man, it makes me happy. This bedroom is not a place, it's a feeling. And I'm really grateful for that. So yeah, my purple bedroom.
1: So I'll tell you a little short story about gratitude. Many years ago, well over 20, I met this girl who was a a musician but somehow we started talking about gratitude and how it's good to live in gratitude, because then you appreciate mm. everything in your life. And, you, and it also keeps you a lot happier when you're focusing on the positive as opposed to the negative. So email was, was happening at the time, you know, people were emailing. So we decided that we would email five things that we have to be grateful for to each other. Mm. Every day. Mm. Now, I'm saying 20 years ago, 22 years, 24 years. I mean, and as recently as last night at midnight, Mm. I received her gratitudes and I wrote them back. Wow. Oh, I had no idea. Yes. We still do it as 20 plus years later. Mm. And while we might not do it every single day, we probably do it four to five times. Every week Mm -hmm. and sometimes we do it two times a day because we're feeling especially grateful for something something really amazing happened and the deal was when we made the deal was five things we have to be grateful for well sometimes we you know you get on a roll so I usually don't limit it to five anymore I usually go to ten last night I did ten and a bonus (laughs) you know so When you asked me to do the podcast and you said we were going to do a list of things we have to be grateful for I didn't really think about it because I live my life that way Mm -hmm. so the number one thing that I always have to be grateful for and I always put on my gratitude list is health because Mm -hmm. I know without health it doesn't matter how much money I have Mm -hmm. in the bank it doesn't matter how many clothes I have in the closet it doesn't matter how many great jobs I'm working on. It doesn't matter because if I don't have my health, and I'm always grateful for the health of myself and the health of my friends and family. And mm. that is my number one gratitude always, especially now in this COVID time. I have a, a, an actress friend who just two days ago got off of a ventilator they performed some kind Mm. of surgery she's not out of the woods yet but she's off of the ventilator which i know is a big 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 deal and i know that you know when i'm not feeling well nothing's good in my life i can't get up i can't get out of bed i can't get in the car i can't work and when i'm feeling well
0: life's a piece of cake you're reminding me just in terms of the five things that my dad has this thing, which he told me about many, many years ago. And my dad is, you know, a, a quite accomplished lawyer, and he's done very interesting things and worked for major players. And so he's, he's, he has a, a life that looks complicated, you know, because there's so much going on. And yet he said every day he tries to get five things done and he counts them on the fingers of his hand. And he said, if I do all five things, I feel satisfied. And they don't have to be big things. One could be going to the gym. One could be, you know, finish that file he had to write or brief, whatever lawyers do. One was showing up at court. One was, uh, you know, sending that difficult email. You know, whatever it is. There's no set of rules. It's as long as it's a thing that he feels like he pushed a boulder forward. And it was such a gift to hear him say that. Because in it, I mean, first of all, anything your parents say goes in like hypnosis. You know, so it's really important what they say, good and bad. It gets in deep. And what I was hearing when he told me that was you can build – a very satisfying productive enjoyable career in this case just by consistently doing five things a day i mean that's not an exact recipe but what he was saying was consistency in smaller things or in manageable goals is way more important than you know going nuts and exhausting yourself on incredibly lofty goals because ultimately like you build a castle one brick at a time even a castle you got to lay bricks but i'm really grateful for that it was a great a great sort of simple lesson
1: mm. i am grateful for and i say it like this that my daughter picked me to be her mother i mm. believe without sounding too, too weird I believe that in the before life that she picked me to be mm. her mother, I really never envisioned ever being a mother. Mm. I could barely take care of myself, let alone another human being. The truth of the matter was, I'd never held a baby, I'd never changed a diaper. Wow. I, I right no, I had there was no reason to. And when I found out I was pregnant, I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do with this. You know, there's people who, you know, someone walks in the room with a baby and they go, oh, let me hold the baby. And I was like, oh, no, 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 don't, please, no, no, don't put that baby near me. When my husband and I, sorry, but when my husband and I did that Lamaze, you know, the, the class you're supposed to do before you have a baby, they give you a doll to change the diaper. My husband did all of that. And they would look at me like, ma'am. I said, oh, no, 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 my, hus- my husband will be doing that. They, they must have thought I was just some weirdo. And after I gave birth to her in the hospital, the nurse said to me, ma'am, you can't leave the hospital until you change the diaper. And wow. I looked at her. I thought, oh, I won't be, I won't be the one doing that. He'll, he'll do that. He'll be fine. And they must have thought, what is... I had no clue. I didn't wow. know. Oh, no. Wow. No, no, no. This was like a far... Like, I would look at her from afar and go, I don't know what to do with you. Mm. I was just... And, and then I learned, because you learn, because you're kind of thrown into the trenches, and you mm. figure it out. And I was older. You know, like I said, I was, I, I was 45... On the other side of 45 and a half, heading to forty six. When I had her, so I had done all my partying, I had done all my running around, I, had, I, I was good. I was good to stay home on Saturday night with her. I was mm-hmm. good to go to little mommy and me things. I was good to go to preschool, even though people thought I was her grandmother, which didn't really <laughs> set too well. I remember going to pick her up one day and they, they said, so-and-so's grandmother's here to pick her No, I'm oh. her mother. I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry you know, like oh my gosh how bad do I look but you know what it's been quite an education and now she's my little friend like you said earlier she's mm. she's, a, she's finishing her first year of college oh my gosh
0: mm.
1: you know I know to let her go I don't mm-hmm. um, my mother didn't know that trick <laughs> my mother didn't understand mm. the art of letting go and I'm so I'm very grateful that she picked me to be her mom because it's been quite an education that I really never thought, I never thought I was going to learn that, that thing. And, uh, yeah, so there you go.
0: That makes me really grateful for Allie, your daughter. Watching her grow up, and I just want to tell the story of, I met Allie when she was six, I think, and she has, as we've mentioned before this, bright like copper top battery red hair and i come from redheads and m1 myself but i don't have red hair like that anyway when she was about six like maybe maybe i'd known her a couple of years at this point i can't remember when it actually happened but she was big enough so you put her i could put her on my lap and i put her on my lap one day and i was just like playing with her and i leaned in to her ear and I whispered I'm your real mother.
1: <laughs> I remember that.
0: <laughs> and Allie because her mom's a casting director and her dad is an actor, like completely got the joke. You know, I mean, there was no confusion. She got <laughs> that it was a joke. And but we basically it's been a running joke for 15 years that I am her real mother. And that I gave her to you and you've done a great job taking care of her thank you very much you've done great and but because of my red hair we declare me her real mother
1: yeah but it's fun but she loves you she loves you she really really Mm. really does so when she graduates Mm. college and I send her to LA guess who's going to (laughs) continue raising her (laughs) Absolutely. That's right. That's right. And she knows that. She knows that. But um, uh, my fifth grat I have two. I call them grats, my grats. I have two, um, and they're similar. My father, who's 94, I'm beyond grateful that I still have him in my life. And my husband, whom I've been with for over 30 years, I'm grateful for him that he's in my life. And these are the two most important men in my life I'm grateful for my dad the way he raised me he raised me yes with all that grammar Nazism but I speak well because of him I grateful for my husband who was always so spontaneous when I first met him nothing was spontaneous I remember one morning he said to me let's take a drive to Naples which is like two hours away from us. And when he said, let's go to Naples, I panicked. I said, but we don't have a plan. And mm-hmm. he looked at me and goes, what, what kind of plan do we need? Because growing up in my family, we did nothing spontaneously. We mm-hmm. always had a plan. I mean, you had a pl- if mm-hmm. If you wanted a friend to eat dinner over, they couldn't eat dinner over unless we had the plan for them to eat dinner over. Otherwise, they had to mm-hmm. go home. You know, everything was a plan and he taught me to be spontaneous and I love that I love being spontaneous I didn't know that was an option growing up and my my life has been very enriched because of these two men and they're both different they have a lot of similarities very but they're different and they've shown me two different sides of living the, the the conservative side, which which is good. You know, my father taught me the don't blow all your money, save your money. And then my husband's side, which says, oh, it, be frivolous. It's okay. You don't have to save every, 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 every penny. It's okay to treat yourself once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very grateful for both of these men in my life who are the mm-hmm. yin and the yang of, of life, and they've both mm-hmm. taught me And I think I have a really good balance in my life because of the both of them.
0: I love that.
1: You're reminding
0: me, I'm going to end with my two brothers-in-law. I have two younger sisters in Toronto, and they both are married and each have two children. And my brothers-in-law are named Cameron and Graham. So it's Graham and Cam, Cam and Graham. Mm. And they're such good guys. Like, both my sisters picked really nice guys whose parents are still together. Like, my younger sisters are the product of my father's second marriage. And he and my stepmother are still together. So my younger sisters don't come from divorce. I do. But my sisters Mm -hmm. don't. And they both married guys whose parents are still together or were until one passed away. And so there's, there's just like commitment to family and that's deep in everybody's blood. Like there's no, no one's even thinking outside of that box. And these guys are just fun and silly and loving and easily affectionate and inappropriate sometimes in ways that are just delightful and The thing that made me fall in love with both of them was that when my sisters were pregnant with my nieces and nephew, they both learned hypnosis for childbirth, and I taught it to them. And in preparing a couple for childbirth using hypnosis, you prepare both partners. And I was at three out of four of the births of my nieces and nephews. And so what that meant was I was with my sister when she was in labor and I watched her partner and supported him in helping her. And both Graham and Cam were so amazing under those circumstances because the rubber really hits the road, you know, around death and around birth. And you really see who someone is in terms of their ability to show up at those times. And Both of my brothers-in-law were utterly devoted to their partner, totally present for the experience, did everything they could for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I fell in love with them during those births because they showed me who they are and how much they love my sisters. Mm. Finally, the great thing about Graham and Cam is that they completely love each other. Like we get together at the cottage and they're just, silly and like these boys and we come from mostly girls like dad is the only male in the whole family and now we have Graham and Cam being these silly guys and my nephew Noah who's learning from them how to be like a loving fun responsible man and I'm so grateful he has those two models because they're great models they're great models